You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor, not a therapist, not an expert, in a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self Worst. Hi everybody! Uh, you know like uh, Dr. Nick from The Simpsons? <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Brad Pearson. Welcome to Self Worst. Uh, this is a podcast. You already know that from that little canned uh, intro that I put at the beginning of every episode. A little disclaimer about content and all that. I did it in one take, and it's probably not even the best take, but I I don't have the energy to do it again and again and again. So I just put it there, and whenever I'm listening back to the episode just for like audio quality or like vanity... You know, if I, if I'm just like listening to my own episodes, smelling my own farts. I'm like, ugh, this intro is bad. But I'm just gonna stick with it. You can skip over it. I don't care. Skip over the skip over this whole part and go straight to the interview. Whatever. I'm sure people do that. I did that back in the day, back in you know, like a, a, a 2012. Uh, era of WTF skip over his monologues at the beginning sometimes sometimes I liked it, sometimes that's the only part I liked because he was interviewing some bullshit comedian that I didn't care about and I was like, eh I don't care so much about what he has to say to Carrot Top or whatever but I want to hear his musings on life, I don't know depends on your vibe depends on your energy as for this intro sitting in a dark room (laughs) it's uh, morning time just to set the scene I have the lights on I just have a little bit of gray soft ambient light coming in morning light gray rainy light coming in from the window it's a rainy week it's a gloomy week of course it is it's February I've tried to re-record. I've tried to record this episode or this this intro a couple of times. Tried to record it a couple of times last night. It just wasn't sticking. Like I kept getting stuck on my words. I was like, I was rolling for a minute and trying to be all cute and vamping and whatever, like I do in the beginning of my show, and uh, it just I was just like, ugh, can't do it. My brain's uh, being a little rascal. It's not letting me uh, executive function sometimes. Do things I need to do. 
scrolling and shit. It's weird out there. Fucking, I guess we're gonna start a war. Are we with Putin starting a war? I don't know, whatever. Should we do nothing? Should we let that? No, I guess not. But also, like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Can you be anti-war and not pro-Putin? I think that's possible. I fucking, I don't, I don't care anymore. How about that? I fucking give up. I've been trying to uh, have some sort of say in who we bomb or don't bomb, protest all of that, and try and take action against that stuff. Since, like, Iraq. I was a dumb little high schooler. They weren't listening to me then. They weren't, they're not going to listen to me now. Fuck it. Fine. Do it. I don't. I can't. I don't. I can't. Whatever. All I care about now is Hank the Tank. 500-pound bear. He's ransacking homes in Tahoe, California. And I'm rooting for him. Get the fuck out of his way. Leave him some cold pizza. If you see him coming, just drop what you're doing. Get in your car. Drive off. Go to the video store or whatever the fuck you do in Tahoe. Go on a scenic drive. Come back in a couple hours and he'll probably wreck your place, but uh, sorry. He's a bear. Leave him alone. I think the goal should be to get him so big and fat that he can't get through the door anymore and he just simply can't break into your house. That's what we get. He's almost there. He's a big boy. He's a beefy boy. Get him so big, he can't, he can't even really reach in and, and, and you'll be fine. You'll see him right outside and be like, oh, there he is. Oh, come on in. You'll like dangle a piece of pizza in front of him and he'll be like, Ugh. swiping at you with his little bear claw. Can't get, can't get his shoulder through the door. Gets stuck and you have to kind of help push him back. And you're like, okay, okay, sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to humiliate you. I don't mean to body shame the bear. You just sort of give him a gentle nudge out the door, and you're like, sorry, here, have the pizza. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. I know you can kill me. If you could get inside with your fat ass. He's a big bear, and I love him. That's what I'm trying to focus on this week. Because there's not a lot of other good shit to focus on. I don't know, man. Fucking crazy shit I can't I can't sit around and doom scroll anymore I mean I can and I have and I will continue to but like I can't do that and continue to be you know sane and mentally sound I guess I'm saying hope you're not doom scrolling hope you're just listening to the placid dulcet tones of this podcast in my sweet sexy voice and I hope that you're uh, 
you know, touching grass, as they say. I did a little grass touching yesterday. Not to brag. I kind of do that. You know, I do work outside and stuff. One of the only good thing, one of the only things I really like about my job as a dog walker right now. Because I fucking, I'm tired of it. But I've been over that before. Is that I get to go to Prospect Park like every day. It's usually during the middle of the day. Nobody's there. Weekday. Not a lot of people are there. And it's just chill. Yesterday was raining. Nobody in the park. It was a beautiful day. I like a I like a wintry rain sometimes. I don't know. If you're properly dressed for it, if you've got the rain gear on, the rain's not it smelled like summer rain. You gotta just take those moments, man. Just you know, feel the rain on your skin. No one else can, no one else can, you know, whatever the song says. Uh, and just have a human moment. Shut your fucking phone off. Vibe. We need those human moments. We need those sensory experiences. We need to center and ground ourselves in the present moment. And not, uh, extrapolate on horrible possible future scenarios that we have no control over. That's about the long and short of how you manage this shit. Which is not easy to do. I've I've known that intellectually my whole life that you can like, oh yeah, you can't really control what happens in the world you can just sort of control the immediate circumstances of your life and how you treat other people and uh, that's about it but uh it's not easy to accept i feel like you you know you always feel like you could do more and make a better world but um maybe, <laughs> maybe you can't a better world was possible. But I feel like we uh, passed that exit a while ago. Oh well. How you feeling? This week, we're talking to Max Bruno. He's a comedian. Real funny dude. I saw him do a set a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, I, I was just like, this guy... If I can get him on the show, if he agrees to do the show, he's going to bring the heat. And bring the heat he did. He, uh... I think without really knowing... I, I pitched him the show, of course, but without really... I don't think he's listened to it or anything, but he just, he just knew what the vibe was, and he just, like, came in with a lot of... Just... This is a dark episode. I'll say that. I mean, even for this show, because we're 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 too. Uh, I feel like we have kind of a similar outlook. We're both kind of uh, despondent about the state of the world, but happy enough in our own personal lives that we're like, I guess we'll just ride this out. I guess we'll just continue to exist, even though it's 
probably not gonna end well. Well, today's fine. I don't know. It's all you got. This is the day. So, whatever. I don't know. Feel like I've been running my mouth long enough, right, folks? So, uh, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash selfworst. Kick in as little as a dollar a month. You get bonus content, blah, blah, blah. You know what you get if you, if you sign, up, sign up for a Patreon. You get a sense of satisfaction. And you get, I don't know, a tax write-off. Can you write off the $12 a year that you <laughs> spend on, on my dumb show? Do it. Go for it. Talk to your accountant. Tax season is approaching. Ugh. Taxation is theft, am I right, folks? <laughs> this is a libertarian podcast now. Uh, follow me at Radical Pearson social media, Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at Selfhorse on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can email me um, at uh, Selfhorse at gmail.com. You got to put that dot com part in, otherwise it's not going to send. Um, okay. That's all I got. Uh, y'all do the ending and repeat all the housekeeping bullshit and credits which nobody listens to which is why I do the plugs and stuff up front which nobody listens to this part either they skip over I can't control what you do I can't control what anybody does and neither can you you can control yourself keep that in mind keep living your life don't kill yourself. But don't take on the weight of the world either. Just live your life. Eat lunch. You know, dress yourself, hygiene, self-management, be nice to people. That's all, that's, that's it. Anyway, all right. Uh, I'm going to get out of here. We're going to go to this uh, talk that is a pre-recorded talk uh, that I recorded earlier this week. That's how podcasts work. Let's talk to Max Bruno. You actually, uh, by um, by doing this virtually, you, you, you saved me having to uh, clean the apartment. <laughs> before you came over so yeah thank you you know and yeah it's, it's saved saved you that and saved me the the two hours on the train uh that i was especially during rush hour too i, I really yeah. started to look at it that way it really is i mean anything that you want to do you have to factor in like travel time and like you know like i started going to a gym up in williamsburg which is like a good 35 minutes on the g train and every time i'm like uh, why do I, why, why would I, yeah, like I've, it's already like a hard commitment to like go there. Like it better be like right across the street. Otherwise it's going to be very difficult for me to will myself into yeah. doing that. Yeah. I, I, in my experience, the gym is something that needs to be as accessible as possible because it, it sucks. It sucks to go there. Like no one likes doing it. Yeah. So it sucks you know, to go there, the more but obstacles. Also- the more obstacles you put between you and going to a place that sucks, it's going to be tougher. True. You know? But I've also found during the pandemic with home workout kind of stuff, if it's too easy, 
If it's just something that you don't even have to leave your house to do, that's also very difficult to do. So there has to be like a balance of like commitment to like, okay, I'm going to put on shoes. I'm going to go. I have to be there at a certain time. I think that's mainly what it is if you're doing like a I class think, or whatever. I tried to do the uh, the home working out thing for a while. Uh, I've been I've been working out pretty regularly for for many years now like on and off you know I, I think everyone goes through like phases where they fluctuate um but like when i did the home working out over uh you know during the sort of peak time of the pandemic it, it was the ease was actually really nice i i sort of learned how much i loved like just being able to go to a place in my house as opposed to like get dressed and walk all the way somewhere and check in with somebody behind a counter and all of that what I liked, uh, what where it sort of fell apart though, was um, it was the lack of sort of stuff that I felt like I could effectively do. You know, like I, I had these. Uh, I, I spent way too much money because I was going. I was going insane. I, I that's one thing I've learned about the working out thing now is I've been doing it for long enough that if I stop, I lose my mind rather quickly. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of fun to have like finally addicted myself to something that's good for me. Absolutely. But, yeah. You know, <laughs> I have, yeah. I have something I have plenty that go in the other direction too but I'm fully addicted to doing this but when I was doing it at home it was like it struggled I struggled with this thing where it was like I can't do enough to justify how much it sucks like I'm like uh, you know, like that's something that a lot of people struggle with working out because you go and the results are so incremental and small especially if you don't really know what you're doing that like eventually the the suffering that you're undergoing, and the effort it takes to do that doesn't properly compensate for the results you're getting. And you just say, fuck this. This sucks. I'm, I'm going to stop. You know, I'm going to just I'll just get fat and die. And uh, right. that was my not that being fat is bad, actually. Sure. It's just bad for your health. Right. Sometimes. I mean, so what what is your your workout? I'm actually uh, the thickest. I'm the thickest I've ever been. And I feel good i think you look great it. man you're you're, you're beefy yeah. that day which yeah, is yeah. different than than being fat you're you're like you're bulky and again i don't like i don't want to um people's bodies are are their choices and i think we all something's got to give somewhere you know like like for instance i'm uh definitely a, a high functioning alcoholic i like to say high functioning makes everyone feel more uh comfortable with it so you know like yeah it uh, something's got to give somewhere and if you know if i i find it easier to discipline myself with exercise and food and then i give in to other vices so whatever whatever your thing is i, I don't want to shame anybody right for how that how they want to live but for me the uh my body needs to be a certain i need to feel a certain way about my body in order to feel comfortable even just like existing you know like that yeah. i i start to kind of get to a place where and that's where the talking about going insane goes where i'm like i think it's driven partly by vanity right and you know there's there's some of that but also by like sort of this feeling of wanting to be in control uh on some level and feeling like i'm doing something about uh the impending like walking rot that we're all going through as we age you know sure. like i'm delaying something i'm I am strengthening myself. I am, comp you know, like now uh, I don't have to have uh, go into a depressive spiral if I eat some French fries because I worked out today. You yeah, know? <laughs> it, exactly. Absolutely. It, it, it helps like because I know that I, 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 I'm a pretty big, you know, I'm a big boy. 
Like I, I'll, I'm a hungry boy. I eat probably a good three thousand calories a day. I'm just guesstimating on that. Um, but I justify it by being like, yeah, but I also do like pretty high intensity cardio stuff, and yeah. you know, like I, I work out if not every day, pretty close to every day, you know, for at yeah. least 30, 45 minutes. And, uh, it's, it gives me so many things. Like I think just neurochemically the endorphin rush that it gives you, um, mm-hmm. once you actually force yourself past that threshold of like, this stops, this sucks. My body wants me to stop. I don't like this. This is painful. And then you work past that. Plus the mental i think it's more kind of metaphysical just the discipline uh aspect of like i'm going to force myself into something really uncomfortable and difficult today and i'm going to get the fuck through it and i'm not going to be a baby about it i'm I'm realizing that with this podcast as we've started has veered uh into joe rogan experience territory i don't don't want it to be that exactly (laughs) i mean you know like if 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 i two two guys talking about getting jacked yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, we, we don't need to, like, start talking about, like, COVID conspiracies or anything like that, you know, but, like, I mean, like, I, I, there are certain things where, like, I mean, I can't disagree with him about, like, working out, like, I do like kettlebells, I do like jujitsu, I do like stuff like that, but, like, everything else, like, I mean, I, I could really... Uh, well, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's a weird it's a weird topic to, like, think about, you know, because I, I caught myself talking about being, like, fat. And like what a loaded word that is. And like, I think some of that comes from, you know, the way I was brought up and also messages of society. And even as a man, like, like I'm getting that as a guy. Uh, And, but like, I need to explain to people sometimes, even like, even like my own uh, partner uh, who I live with and she doesn't really like to exercise the same way I do. And I'm like, that's, that's fine. This is like a me thing. Yeah. You know, which is where I think I put it. And like, uh, I just want all the fat people out there to know that, uh, I accept them. And actually I'm very attracted to you. So absolutely. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. You're preaching to the choir, brother. Don't, don't even worry about it. Like, so when you in the past have been in that space of being kind of uncomfortable, um, you know, with just existing, let's, let's pick that apart a little bit. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I've been there too and having a frequent exercise regimen has helped with that. Um, but hasn't made it go away entirely because I think if you have some degree of like, uh, I don't know, self-loathing body dysmorphia, whatever you want to call it, like you're that, that, that's a thing like, uh, depression, anxiety, alcoholism, whatever, where like you go on just sort of managing it, you know, for the rest of your life. Like it doesn't, I don't think it really goes away. Like once it's in your head. Yeah. And I mean, there's also, there are aesthetic and ego and sort of vanity aspects that drive part of it. But a a lot of it, I think it is sort of true. And I mean, especially I know like my family history has like, there's a lot of heart related problems. There's, and like sustaining a healthy lifestyle like and what that means though that's the part that's the part that's like what is a healthy lifestyle that's the part that like gets a little wishy-washy and problematic but you know the idea of actually taking time to like invest my effort into myself and uh my body as like a vessel and to 
to sculpt it. And I, I, again, I think it comes back to control, like some have some control over mm-hmm. who I am and how I present. You know, I think some people, people do that in various ways. Some people do it with like, um, you know, makeup, jewelry, hair, clothes. And um, I think those are all different ways of like presenting and controlling your presentation that are important. And to some people, like that's way more important than sculpting or changing your actual body. But for other people, you know, that could mean cosmetic surgery, you know, and things and things too, where it's like, I want to add something or change something about myself or tattoos. Yeah. Um, and those are all just, like, I just see this, I see this less as like sort of a health crusade a lot of the time and more just like kind of taking ownership of what I want to be like and how I want to present in the world and what makes me feel comfortable. And uh, for some reason that is, um, I I guess, you know, but we can examine this. I want to appear uh, strong and capable. Sure. And like, I want to feel, um, confident that uh and i think this is an anxiety driven one that like um that i see i want to seem like somebody you don't want to pick on you know like kind of like you know a a bit of that where it's like a little bit of a deterrent too or like stay the fuck away from me you know like go go for (laughs) go for somebody else you know yeah um so i think those things all kind of drive it uh but i i i also don't want it to seem like i'm out here evangelizing becoming a gym rat uh don't you know, worry i don't think I'd, like that's, I, not, that's, that's not, not your that's not your journey that's, that's not that's my, my yeah that's not that's not the message of this podcast i don't think that's really like my demographic i don't think that's really like uh, what i'm trying to uh preach i don't sell supplements on this fucking show or anything like that <laughs> you know like i'm very uh i i you know i'm very body positive and and whatever you want to do for yourself and how you live in your body is your own business, you know? And, and like, I've had the same conversation with my own girlfriend, like where she will, and and we've kind of said this both to each other because I think we both work out fairly frequently and we're both just like, I I don't care if you like, like it's about, it's for me. I'm doing this for me. I'm not getting in shape so that you'll be impressed with my big muscles and everything. I'm to getting be in fair, shape because to be like, fair, I, I really, I do want to be objectified. I'm into that. Oh yeah. There's also that. Like I want to be like, I, I like the, the ability to, and to feel like, um, to feel like I earned it is kind of fun. You know, mm-hmm. like there's, there's people, there's ways that you can be attractive to be like, you know, uh, whatever your bone structure is like the shape of your skull can be, traditionally more attractive to certain groups of people if they follow certain conventions right they're like right. oh these cheekbones or the jawline or whatever that sort of thing but if you're attractive in that way that's not that's just that's chance you know that's yeah, like that's the lottery out of nowhere but as opposed to like muscle that you worked for and so if someone compliments that on me then i feel like i i feel a lot of great i'm like ah, i'm doing something that's like that's working and i don't know like sorry guys i like to be stared at i'm <laughs> yeah it feels great it feels fucking great, <laughs> especially yeah. like, as you said, like you've had times in your life and I've felt this way too, uh, have felt not comfortable in your own body. Exactly. And, I um, think, I think it definitely comes from like being a real late bloomer growing mm-hmm. up. Like I was, what's interesting now is I'm 32 and I would say among my cohort, I'm probably like in the upper echelon of good shape, you know, like around people in their early thirties. 
Uh, but that was the opposite, like growing up, like when I was a kid, when I was young, I was always like the small, small, smallest, weakest, slowest, you know, so I sort of like have this weird reverse thing that a lot of people have where like their youth is this time of like physic feeling like they're physically thriving and like, you know, they have all these capabilities and then aging feels like sort of falling apart. Um, yeah. And for me, it's felt sort of the opposite in that I felt just sort of uh, like not fully cooked early on. You know, I, I had no, I couldn't, I couldn't do much of anything. And now uh, I feel much more sort of actualized in my body and mind and personality. And honestly, I think that's the, that's, that's the way I'd like it. I think I'll Hell take yeah. this way rather than the other way. You're telling my whole life, Max, you're, uh, you're, you're <laughs> describing my experience pretty, uh, pretty well. Like I was a, you know, like a nerdy skinny, like real kind of like bird chested, you know, kid, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, like thin little wrists and, and like too awkward and like gawky, like a beanpole. Good, good. Now, now I like that we veered into body shaming kids. Yeah, too. good, 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 good. Yeah. Look I mean, these, these 12 year olds in their fucking skinny wristed bird chest ass. Little fucking, little fucking ankles and shit. Little bastard. I'm going to fucking knock him over. Like, I mean, but that's the thing is like, I had all of this internalized self hate um, because I was an unathletic kid, because I mm -hmm. wasn't good at sports, because I was kind of a nerd. And yeah. I felt so often kind of threatened and i felt so often um kind of uh humiliated uh, yeah humiliated and overlooked and emasculated and unattractive yeah. and all of this stuff like i wasn't like a real dude or anything and like so i think some part of that as toxic as it is did kind of push me over the hill of getting to where like i'm going to make myself very uncomfortable for a while until my body adjusts to this new exercise regimen and yeah. I'm just going to fucking do it. You know, as, and, as far as, uh, you know, there's, there's in the same way that like, you know, a lot of people engage in like, like BDSM or kink in a way that sort of is tied to stuff that they're like dealing where it's like, why would you like being, you know, hit or shocked or bound up or something like that. But it's like sort of this cathartic reimagining or, or, or I, and I know like that's, that's going to be a bad narrative where people are like, everyone who's into this has been traumatized right. and that sort of, but I think a lot of um, that sort of thing. And it's similar. It, I think it figures similarly for me with working out where it's like, you can take um, things that have happened to you or things that you're dealing with and sort of use that trauma as a kind or that sort of suffering or those sort of negative feelings and try and sort of flip them into fuel, flip them into some sort of like active or productive thing. It's like, well, if I'm incredibly anxious, I can use that anxiety to get myself to uh, do something for my body that might uh, help me feel better about myself and live longer and look better and that sort of thing, you know? And, yeah. and I think if I'm, that's a better way to do it in theory than just you know drinking myself to death in a dry bathtub you know like that's not what you, you know like the, yeah i mean there's also like uh, i can't tell you the the uh i can't overstate the uh virulence and the severity of the like burning passionate self-hatred that i had and through like a lot of my mm -hmm. late teens 20s um it was brutal man and like yeah. uh 
any, I, I mean, anything I think they can kind of get you out of that and get you out of that self-destructive behavior, you know, uh, is, is good. And there is, like you said, almost, a. uh, I mean, I I was gonna ask you what kind of uh, fitness stuff you mm. do, but like any exercise, I think uh, there is a there is some degree of like pain and discomfort involved, which Definitely. me personally is a weird masochistic thing. Like I right. enjoy, like I've gotten to where I enjoy the pain and the discomfort of it. Um, and there I is don't something the that's pain. cathartic I enjoy what about it. Sim- it. I enjoy what it symbolizes. Sure. You know, the pain, the like, that's, uh, I never, I hate going to the gym. I hate working out. I'm not having fun while I'm doing it. Sure. It is what I know it does. It like, it, it involves this sort of, um, you know, there's that old uh, exper- sociological experiment where um, uh, most people will know this, where they put the marshmallow in front of the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, they tell them uh, that they're going to leave uh, for a minute. And if they wait to eat it, uh, they'll get another one. And like a certain percentage of kids just eat it anyway, you know, and other ones wait and do that. And I think some of that is, I think that's all like learned behavior and that sort of thing. But the learned behavior of like under thinking of things in a, in a longer term sense, because in the immediate sense, uh, exercise sucks like every time, you know, but in the broader spectrum of things, it, it makes my life better every single day, you know, in that it reducing my anxiety and self-loathing and making me feel uh, confident and attractive and making me feel like maybe even if it's delusional that like I'm taking an active role in keeping myself um, alive because I do a lot of things that I feel very guilty about that are killing me also. So, you know, I need something on the other end of that to uh, keep me from, you know, tipping over the edge, I think. That's the yin and the yang, baby. You got to be, a, you know, I, I, people, I know a lot of people and, and I like them, but I, I, I look at people who are like full on fitness, like straight edge vegans. And I'm like, that's awesome. Couldn't be me. Like, mm-hmm. I, there's just no way. Like, I, I need a lot of uh, my vices, I think, or something yeah, like I've just, was... I don't have that level of discipline. I have enough discipline yeah. to like drink on a weekday night, but also go to the gym the next morning. Like that's about cool. where I'm at. Well, that's kind of what I was saying before, where it's like, it's got to give somewhere. And if you're not somebody, if you're the kind of person who's like, you know, I, I can't get myself to work out. I bet that like, or, or like, you have, what am I saying? No, when it, when it's got to give where it's like, you have to have vices, like what, what are they exactly? So if I'm, you know, I'm choosing to, um, someone else's vice might be, they play way more video games than me, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I am not going to judge that because of how much I drink. So, you know, like that's the where, or if somebody is much, you know, more unhealthy than me, I imagine that like maybe they drink less or write more or something like they're I don't know. I, I know it doesn't all break even, but yeah. I think we're all trying to. And, you know, it's sort of like balancing your character in uh in a play style or something. I think about things in game. Yeah, a, a lot. absolutely. Yeah. Like balancing your yeah. attributes, your your strengths, your weaknesses yeah. and all of that. I, stuff. I, I'm, a, I'm like a D&D guy and that sort of thing. You're too. a I'm D&D a guy, too. Yeah. I'm oh, not a yeah. jock. I just work out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, uh, uh, 
I just started. Well, we haven't played for a long time, but I've been doing D and D for a while, and it's pretty fucking great. But that's like a whole other uh, fucking subculture that's so deep that like I can only go so far into it and be like, I'm gonna meet with my crew on you know every other Saturday or whatever. Whatever, we'll play our campaign. But like people go really fucking hard into it, and that's another thing where like you know I haven't played video games for a long time uh, just because. It's more just like I I I I I have the uh, I, I guess I'm gun shy about pulling the trigger and and buying a new system and like just starting that again. Now that I don't have any game systems in my house, I'm like, cool. Well, it's not a thing that's immediately in my house. I just can't I can't just like reach for the switch and just like do that because I don't know what's gonna happen because I've been like fully addicted to StarCraft before and like I don't know, man. <laughs> like I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole rabbit hole again. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it's also about how you want to like, you have a limited amount of like time and energy, um, you know, and it's like where you devote it. Because I, I think if that's like, I play some games now, I didn't have any systems for like, uh, like 10 years, I, I barely touched the shit. And then uh, uh, pandemic sort of brought that back in. I was like, I need something, you know, for I'm going to be spending all this time at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, not doing so many of the things I would normally do. And I, I really have an appreciation for it as like a potential art form and escape and and like recreation. Sure. But like and I know there are people who play video games professionally and I'm not talking about those people. But other than that, like the idea of when it becomes more about like competition and skill seems really strange to me like you know in order to get good at what uh, call of duty uh war zone yeah. you know in order to be competitive and to have any fun with it you really have to devote a lot of time to learning the skills and strategies of it um and to me that's not what games are about like i i, I want to devote my time my effort learning skills and strategies to learning skills and strategies for things that are broadly ap- applicable to my life. Like I, I, I cook a lot. I'm really into cooking, sure. that sort of thing. That's a skill. I, I write a lot. I'm, I, I perform stand up like that. Those are the things I'm learning to do that I'm refining my skills on. And if I'm playing a video game, it's more about that's like relaxing. It, yeah. it shouldn't be something that like, you know, so, and I know that's not how a lot of people engage. With I games, know. Well, that's, that's the thing is like, you know, it's and not it sounds like you're kind of the other way. Cause you, with the Starcraft addiction is very much about like becoming a skilled, uh, like yes and no, because I never, I never really played online. I would just like play the computer. Like I would play like the, the campaign or just like play like the sort of like randomizer I got you. Um, yeah, because yeah. I wasn't like, I would, I cannot, I cannot like step toe to toe with like all those like fucking like Korean teenagers in Starcraft. Yeah. Like they'll smoke but it's me like, in why? no time. What, what is the point of exactly. that? Exactly. You know, like, yeah. It was what, just what, like, what, that's what, not what fun. What purpose does that serve? It's like, you're the best at you're, you're very, unless you're doing it competitively for money, like on Twitch or, you know, in esports or something like that, you know, uh, or maybe the, a lot of those people are aspiring to that, but it, unless those are your aspirations, no. I, I don't, I can't think of a, a dumber way to spend your time than like getting incredibly skilled at, yeah. you know, a, a, a video game. No, I'm a lazy gamer. I, I would, yeah. when I was a kid and first got like a Sega Genesis, I would just play the first couple levels of every game I had and then just kind of like turn it off or reset it when it got like to the levels that were too hard and stressful. Cause I was just like, yeah. I don't, 
need more. That's not like, what this is I'm for. I'm just going to get mad. Like, now I'm just getting mad at this game because I can't fucking beat it because I'm nine yeah. years old. Fuck this shit. I'm resetting. And I'm, I'm going to start. Like, and I'm going to let the, the levels, like, the aesthetic of the levels and, like, the cool Sonic music, like, wash over me and, like, like have this, like, little, like, fantasy experience. That's what I want. Yeah. I don't want to, like, fucking do a water level. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. The idea of it being uh, just a challenge for challenge's sake yeah. And that doesn't mean I don't like, I think it's different too, because I think some of my favorite art ever is stuff I would describe as extremely challenging, you know? Um, but like challenging in the like thematic or narrative or emotional hmm. way, not challenging in a like, how fast are my fingers able to move way? You know, like if I'm challenging my fingers to move fast, I should be learning to play guitar not learning to be an imaginary samurai or something, you know, like that's the, like, I, I I think, you know, the value that comes out of uh, games and the way that they can really be these incredible pieces of like literature is when they're like an, an immersive uh, story experience in which you have choices that feel like there's import and that uh, cause you to like engage and reflect with uh, a world that you don't usually get to touch it's very much why i like uh D too probably like that even better yeah. there's uh no limitations on it but i so i don't want it to sound like i think games are useless but i think the the raw skill aspect of it is something i could not connect to less yeah yeah i mean i i heard that this game uh what's it called disco elysium Mm-hmm. Um, that apparently is really big now or has been, yeah, big I've been hearing a lot of buzz about that too. I've been hearing buzz about it and it's, it's like, it's very like texty. It's very like super, super, uh, uh, I don't know, esoteric story based. Like you have to read whole paragraphs and like really like immerse yourself into this whole world. And my younger brother, my younger brother recommends this game to me like a couple times a month. <laughs> right. He keeps telling me to get it. So I, I probably will. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, Let's talk a little bit about you. You mentioned being uh, like liking the feeling of being uh, objectified, um, sure. and I agree. And it's a it's a weird space to live in. I think uh, just in the age of I don't know uh, online personalities and OnlyFans right. and thirst traps and shit like that. Um, but like, it's a um, if you don't take it too seriously, it can be kind of a fun space to occupy. Um, like, Absolutely. I don't know, like, are, are you like, what, what do you like about it? You like, you like, uh, uh, sending a nude, you like sending a, a dick oh, pic oh consensually God. and all of that I, stuff. My, uh, I, anytime, if somebody else is holding my unlocked phone, I look at them like they're holding a live grenade. I'm like, do <laughs> not, you gotta, you gotta watch. Yeah, there's a lot going on uh, on there. I definitely really am into like media and that sort of thing as it pertains to sex and relationships. And I think the objectification thing. I, this is this is obviously like uh, an overgeneralization, but I think it's it's it can cause a lot of com- uh, miscommunication and conflict, sort of between. Um, uh, like traditionally masculine or feminine people. Cause I feel like um, women or feminine people are mainly like they have objectification uh, sort of imposed on them. Yeah. Uh, in a really relentless, like um, crushing unavoidable way. Um, 
which is uh can be you know create a lot of trauma and yeah, suffering my, my and, girlfriend can't walk to fucking yoga in her in her yoga pants without people right. like whistling at her butt and shit like it's you know, and i think on the other business. side on the other side um you know like i can speak from my own experience or like i think a lot of men or traditionally masculine people like um just want to be someone to look at them like that on earth you know like a saint like then that's why like you know you'll see guys and stuff like that going like like why are they so mad it's a it's a compliment or something like that because what really they're thinking is like god i wish somebody thought i was attractive and yeah. would say that to me and would make me feel like i was good looking or or you know and so like one side is starved for uh what the other side is is drowning in and uh then you know when uh then that can create like resentment there when you don't actually like put yourself into the other person's position and understand like oh okay you're i i, I would love this i would love it if um you know like i i don't i'm not speaking at like i didn't have to learn this lesson but i think some some guys probably could where it's like you know the guy that goes like man i i would love it if you know, um, so-and-so slid into my DMs with a upskirt pick out of nowhere. That would be fucking amazing. Hell yeah. Uh, but it's not the same when you send the dick pic to like that feels to, even An though it's unsolicited the same, dick pic is not the, the same, same energy. Like, even yeah. though you would like, if you would like the unsolicited attention, because that is something you are starving for, that person is not starving for that. They are in fact, yeah. like bombarded with that and yeah. would love freedom from that. So it's, it's, you know, you got to be able to put yourself in uh, line with that other person to really understand that. Um, and I think some people just think everyone else in the world is some sort of facsimile of themselves. So that's how I end hard. up with that. The sexual politics of man and woman, femme and mask, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, even the term objectification, I think, is a really loaded word yeah. because the idea of wanting to be objectified, I think, is really. Uh, or, or wanting, you know, objectification or uh, exhibitionism or anything like that as a positive um, in a sexual experience uh, yeah. and not something that is like, oh, you're making me into an object. You're treating me like a piece of meat, like all of that stuff. Like, I understand that that is um, historically, unfortunately, the, the kind of the, uh, the the majority of people's experiences, or at least like that's the first thing that pops to mind when people hear the word objectify yeah. is that you're removing someone's humanity. Um, and that's where it becomes like a big issue and it becomes difficult to communicate the desire to uh, a partner uh, that, that that's something that you want, you know, yeah. with them and like, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. still and want them as a person. And, but like you also, you know, like you, you get, just just uh uh indescribably animalistically excited of by just like a picture of of their ass or whatever you know yeah. like it's, and that's really and that feels navigate. good to, that feels good to a lot of people and mm -hmm. it can be for for different reasons but yeah i agree that it's a very sort of loaded term and can be um kind of a loaded thing to talk about again too it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before where like also um, I think there are people who like maybe because their body is not um, exactly what society has decided is like the normative attractiveness um, really, really want to be like objectified as just 
physically attractive. Yeah, just, just tell me, tell like, me I'm hot. Like it's not like me. it's not like it's not like hey, um, you're so smart and cool and stuff. It's like yeah, I okay, I've but like, sure. are you looking past my body yeah. because you like my how yeah. I act? Because like, or do you like my body as well? But then on the other hand, there are people. Those exact same people say like. You know, you could have two different people uh, with the same sort of like way. So maybe they're heavier than what society is deemed typically attractive. One person loves being objectified for being heavy and that being like an aspect that is attractive about them and having someone going like, I love that. And then on the other side, uh, another person with the same thing might be like, you know, I don't want to be fetishized for just this attribute, you know, like this is you're a chaser or like uh, that sort of, you know, like, so I think. You know, it, you can't, it all comes down to communication and approaching every single person on earth as an individual. I think yeah. that's really what you have to do. And something that uh, I've striven to do my entire life where like, and actually I was kind of raised that way, fortunately, where like a lot of the time generalizing felt strange. And uh, I hate being generalized. I know that like I hate being viewed as a category or box of almost any kind, almost to the point where it's like sort of an issue. Uh, but like so I, I really approach everyone I meet as an individual and try to make as few assumptions as possible about them, because uh, it's everyone is an individual, really. You know, I, I think that we we try to, there's so much of this impulse right now, I think, to separate people into discrete, um, clear, uh, even like hierarchical categories. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from the, the left and the right. And I think that um, while like we do need to address like what society, the broad societal messages that are being sent to people and how those might affect people, like that doesn't necessarily mean that when you meet someone you need to you know kind of figure out what boxes they check on you know whatever number of spectrums are important to you yeah how were you um raised with those sorts of uh values you, you said that it was kind of something that it was imparted on yeah you. well i mean i i grew up in a, a a small town, smallish town in, in Ohio that was just overwhelmingly uh, white and Christian and conservative. But my family within that town was a weird little beacon uh, in the sense that like uh, my parents always fully encouraged us to explore uh, who we are and our identities and to to embrace them. And then also like we weren't like any of the lessons and prejudice came from people outside of the family, you know, and in a way like our house growing up was always the only one with like a pride flag. And actually like a lot of kids sort of became like pseudo siblings like they would, you know, we'd, we'd have I, I only in, like think of it in retrospect, but like we'd have friends that would spend the night three or four days a week. You know, like they were always at our house because, you know, we they wanted to hang out with us and maybe didn't have as good relationships with their family or we're having uh, and a lot of like uh, our house. My parents house has become sort of a place where like certain queer kids who were disowned by their families can come back and stay when they want to come back to the hometown and see friends or things like that. You know, like it, yeah. it was a it was a place that really like 
uh, cultivated that sort of environment. Um, even even uh, even though there was a lot of growth to be had there too, like my uh, family is all um, secular now, but it was uh, pretty Christian for a while there in a way that felt pretty dark. But we uh, we made it out of there, you know. We 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 deprogrammed. So uh, now um, I think I was always, you know, like racism, sexism, uh, homophobia or transphobia and things like that were, were just things that seemed alien to me based on how um, I, I was raised. Similar. Yeah. I was raised a Unitarian in a, in Nebraska. So mm -hmm. it, all that that implies, you know, and, and it was just, uh, it never was really like a big deal uh, for me growing up you know, knowing like there were gay people in our church, there were trans people in our yeah. church and it just wasn't really an issue. I mean, it was like, you know, I also grew up in the nineties where there was, this was before a lot of awareness and visibility of trans and non-binary people was a thing. So it was, it was kind of this both and thing where like, I didn't really know, you know, that, like the word tranny, for instance, was like a really like not great yeah. thing to say. And like, I didn't really, I wasn't super aware of the, uh, the level of pain and trauma and oppression that people outside the sort of gender binary were facing. But I also mm -hmm. like, I knew people in my church who just like, yeah, they, they transitioned and like, it wasn't a huge deal. Like it was just like, yeah. okay. Interesting. I think, yeah, like I said, it, I wasn't like exposed to a lot of that until I, uh, of, like, it's like I said, our, the town was overwhelmingly white, Christian, and conservative. So, you know, if anyone was sort of deviating outside of that, it did, uh, it didn't make it to me a lot of the time. And um, that, but, you know, uh, n any of the, any of the negative lessons I would have, taken on about those things came from outside the home yeah. really you know like they were uh, you know other kids at school or people at church or you know things like that who were trying to uh impose those sorts of things but um i do remember that you know having that upbringing i i did uh i was like i described like i'm a pretty depressed anxious person a lot of the time and I think like a lot of times, it like there, people look for some sort of like dark backstory that like explains yeah, that, you know, not always there. Like, yeah. And, and like the, the reality is like, I have a very nice family. My parents are still together and are very tolerant and cool. Right. And like, like we smoke weed together now. It's great. You know, wow. like that sort of thing. And like, uh, I get along really well with, uh, both my younger brothers and, uh, we're all doing quite well in our lives you know just getting along and um and yet uh, uh like growing up there i did like i i i wanted to die you know i think that's some of where like the the darkness and a lot of my stand-up or sense of humor kind of sure. comes from is like this i i felt like i i didn't because i was exposed to only such a homogenous um sort of uh, place for most of my like um development you know uh it wasn't that like i thought that 
say like queer or non-monogamous people or something like that were were weird i like didn't understand like there that wasn't even a thing there, everything that was represented there was like one way to live you know you like you you go to school you do your work you you get good grades you try and play sports or whatever and then you know you get in a relationship you get married you have kids you buy sure. a, a little house you work a job and you die you know like that was like all I understood life to be and it, it really uh like scared me because I I thought like none of this works for me all of this feels wrong all of this feels um like like it tastes wrong like it feels bad like I'm sad and miserable and lost and I don't know what the point of any of it is and like that was all there was so I was like am I just you know fucked up <laughs> you know is that yeah. is that what that is? like as know. opposed to like no, there's a, a myriad of ways that you can be and experience life. And uh, this isn't the only option. So uh, I'm very glad I got out of Ohio, I guess, is the, the short way of saying all that shit. I just rambled. You have a good relationship with your family, but does uh, mental illness sort of run in your family? It tends to. Yeah. Yeah, we got. Uh, yeah, we got plenty. Yeah, we yeah. got. Uh, there's a lot of bipolar disorder and um uh ocd and addiction does it tend to go uh, diagnosed and, or undiagnosed untreated um a little mixed bag uh my whatever i have is definitely an undiagnosed yeah <laughs> uh, whatever i'm dealing with uh but my um i know that uh my mother and her mother are both diagnosed bipolar and um my mother and my uh and uh, my youngest brother both definitely struggled with like obsessive compulsive disorder. And um, my dad is definitely some kind of insane, but he's also undiagnosed like me. So, you know, right. we're, we're nice and complimentary like that. So you're undiagnosed <laughs> if you um, yeah. you've just never been to therapy. You've never been officially diagnosed or. Correct. Yeah, I, uh, I think I, I had uh, I probably have um, I haven't been to therapy and I think part of the, there's there's a couple ways to kind of look at that because i think part of it is probably just old masculinity stuff you know that i'm still working on where it's right. like uh you know i can i can hack it i can i can figure it out um and part of it is probably um my early experiences with therapy uh were not good like i remember you know the therapist that uh my my family took us to was like literally a like a 70 year old mennonite man you know and like that just felt like that was he just couldn't get anything it was talking to a wall it was a fucking nightmare and uh then i think so there's like the masculinity thing there's early bad experience with therapy and then um uh, i guess the third thing is i i i think i'm <laughs> I think I'm doing fine. Like I actually feel. <laughs> I mean, like I feel. I you feel seem good. like you're killing it, man. Like, like you know, I do, I, I do. I'm. I'm. It's weird. I was talking to um, one of my friends the other night, and uh, another comic, and I was like, I think, and I say it this way, right? like I think I'm doing better than I have ever been in my entire life. Hell yeah! Right now, you know, like I think I'm in like uh, uh, a really good place. So much so to where where it's like. Uh, you know, this is how my, because like, I can't think that things are good. My, I, I think it's an OCD 
anxiety thing that most most of that seems to be like in my head for me like as opposed to some of the other members of my family which would be a little more active but like i always have to like think in these spiraling negative what's the downside how is it how is it actually bad in a compulsive way like a compulsively uh negative outlook so like you know i'm like things are going so good at this this must be like a hallucination I'm having while I slowly freeze to death or bleed out in real life. You know, right. like this is, that's, that's what's really happening, you know? Right. And, that, and it's not like, you know, my, I, I don't know. I, I, when I say I'm doing good, it's like, I have, I, I like, now I have the first, like a work from home job that I can, that can sustain me. And like, I have health insurance and I have a partner I love and she's, we just live together with a little cat you know, standups seems to be going well and, you know, like I'm healthy and I, I love cooking and I make all these, you know, like, I just like, yeah. I like being alive more than I ever have thus far. And I hopefully, hopefully it's not all downhill from here. You know, I would like to, you know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we are speaking to each other on like the, the eve of world war three. So who knows? It might be like pretty well, bad from here on out, but who, nah, who we'll be fine. Yeah. You think so? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I like, I think, you know, I, there's, there's the way that the, I guess my focus has gotten pretty narrow mm-hmm. over time. You that's know, all, I, think, I mean, mine, I try and shift mine that way too, because that's all you can fucking control. Yeah. Like I can I, sit and doom scroll about like, you know, geopolitics and shit all yeah. day, but like, what the fuck can I do about literally well, any of that? I have no power what, whatsoever, what, you know? And, and when it, when it comes down to like, I guess who you vote for or whatever, like sometimes I don't even know if that matters at all. And I should just focus on like, who are the people in my life I can concretely have a positive effect on and how can we build communities within the fucking 50 people who I care about or something like that, you know, and, and, and maybe that's reductive and tribal and maybe that's actually the entire problem and maybe uh like that's why the world is like this man i don't know but on another level like the idea of obsessing with what fucking putin and byron are yelling at each other about you know like i don't know i like that's so far from any sort of influence i could even begin to touch that and i and i if i'm being realistic like i don't think that you know they're gonna nuke new york city and if they do then hey i'm out in the first wave that's the way to go man. yeah man we're just like one yeah. minute you're just, we're talking on a podcast the next we're just a fucking shadow it's on the, the wall whole, it's it yeah tsa pre-check to the global holocaust man you know <laughs> not so bad honestly yeah it's it's hard to know like especially like the last i don't know two to five years depending on how you look at like when shit really started to hit the fan uh when like you know i think i feel like most people are kind of starting to finally get on board with the idea that like things are like the ship is sinking in some way Mm -hmm. um and this is something that i've felt for a long time like since my like teens 20s just there was always this idea of like the big doom that was looming over us um but lately i mean i got obsessed with, uh, you know, marching and protesting and political action and voting and canvassing and all of that stuff. And like, I was just talking to somebody about this recently and I was just like, man, I don't know if I can 
I don't know if I have the heart to like work on another campaign, you know, like yeah. maybe like hyper local stuff, city council, perhaps, but like another presidential campaign, like fucking forget it. I'm done. Like I, I yeah, can't I do it anymore, man. And I don't, I, I think I've maybe oversunk cause I'm like where I'm like, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think we make it out of this. I don't think we ride the ship. I think we are these broken, um, like, a poorly developed unfinished project of evolution yeah. that is not engineered to do this. Like we're, we're not, we're just, I apes. Mean, we're apes that got way too ahead of ourselves. And it actually is outside of our uh, ability to fix. And maybe like, you know, in a couple hundred years uh, with a couple billion more bodies you know and like yeah. who knows what that'll be like but you know i i like i i'm we went to um some of the uh black lives matter protests uh during that uh summer 2020 where things were really intense and um that i i, I do think that that movement was meaningful and i do think that those protests did something and i'm very glad that we were part of that and and did that but like the the progress is so incremental and the the uh conclusion seemingly so foregone and awful like to the sense where it's like i remember i uh, was talking to my my partner um about like whether we were doing kind of enough you know like whether like should we be going out more like I, we only we only marched a few times you know that sort of thing yeah. and like how far should we be pushing it and um she is uh you know uh she my partner is a is a black woman and i i kind of approached it in a way where i was like you know um we can i i do see the value in devoting our time and effort to these things but also like why don't we just make sure you're okay yeah. you know like like why don't we make sure that you like you're safe and and uh your mental health is good and take care of you because that also i think serves the overall movement in a way too you know like and if she's able to thrive and succeed which which she is she's like a very successful commercial producer and i think that that's you know evil in its own way also because every job that we do here in this country that earns you a living wage in healthcare is money laundering on some degree yeah so yeah, I just came full circle back to hating everything. Again. <laughs> I can't fucking do it. I can't fucking find a way out. I it's can't just, see light. You know, There's you no know, light. There's a, it's all tunnel, no light, man. It's and because we didn't. Just, it's because we didn't march hard enough. That's all. We, yeah, you, if you know. had just, if you, Max Bruno, had gone to one more yeah. march, maybe things would be different now. But we're yeah, fucking fucked. What if? What if? Uh, several million Max Brunos had done that. You know, like that's always yeah. the the yeah. thought experiment. But then it's like, what? What even is that? Because you know, I, I, I got pretty radicalized and like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's like, you know, I, I'm like, I should have guns and things like that, you know, like, which I kind of maybe still think has some value, but the, uh, like at a certain point, it's like, what is revolution really actually look like, you know, it is like, I can't picture like, and that's, this could just be like, and I think it is just a flaw of my imagination or intelligence or, or political sort of um, grasp of every single intersectional issue on fucking earth. 
but like I can't I can't see a path like I like I said no light yeah. you know like I yeah. don't see a way out like I think we're just buried alive and are dying under the weight of our own corruption and we will just stay that way and that's not a great message <laughs> like I, I I I don't want it to like fuel inaction or or go yeah. against progress because I think we have to no matter what we have to keep trying yeah I think that's yeah. that's like something that just feels like an axiom feels like faith which I hate because it takes me back to that like religious stuff that I feel like was very traumatizing and I kind of rejected but I I don't think it's religious it's it feels more pragmatic in a way because it's like okay I um through no fault of my own was born uh and now i can either die uh at any point if i feel like it you know like i can kill myself um uh, so that's an option or you know i have to find um a way to live and uh life is offered and this is not the case for everybody which is why it feels like sort of selfish and privileged and strange but like life is giving me enough that i i would like to continue to i would like to continue to live i would like to continue to create things and to you know know people and to uh have sensory and emotional experiences i i want to keep doing that um selfishly so then what is the way for me to interact with the uh system into which i was placed that allows me to do that without like just you know eating human babies basically to in order to sustain it you know because that's what it feels like you know like we like you know i i feel like in, in a sense that the way that my existence was engineered outside of myself the way that like the society is constructed and the way that the the jobs function and the way that um interactions play out and that sort of thing like i can't you know i i can't buy a shirt yeah without endorsing yeah. slavery i no can't ethical consumption under I capitalism can't, i can't work a job without you know so it's like the the choice sort of becomes um uh, become corrupt or die. And in almost all of those cases, people are going to choose to become corrupt. Like yeah. if those are the, the options, cause, and maybe the ethical thing is to just commit suicide. I think about that all the time. Actually, <laughs> I think about that all the time. Uh, I think about that a lot. I think about it all the time, but the, <laughs> but, but like, I, I, um, I don't, I don't know if that's true either. And I don't know what ethics are and I don't know, and this is this is like the OCD thing that happens. I like go into these spirals where I start to and then I then it's like, OK, uh, I'm going to limit myself. I'm going to step back. I'm going to try to just enjoy and be there for the people in my life. But then at the same time, I'm still knee deep in the blood of innocent people uh, every second of my life. And I don't know what to do with that, man. I, I truly don't. I've talked about this several times on the show before, but, uh, you know, it, it, I, I think it's kind of a, a a moot point to ask you if you're an optimist or a pessimist. I think you know. I think we know what side you're of that dichotomy yeah. you're on. But um, you know, and and I definitely am a pessimist too. But one thing I know that I am not is a nihilist. And I think that when I encounter that, um, you know, like the very like to to use the online term, you know, black pilled. You know, just like very mm -hmm. like nothing means anything. Fuck it all. Um, 
kind of idea, you know, like you were saying, to discourage understanding that the fight is kind of hopeless should not discourage us from trying to do the thing. You know, there's right. a, well, there's because a, also our, our perceptions and our understanding are incredibly limited. Yeah. And the, my, my inability to see the light in the tunnel does not mean that it is not there. Sure. And in uh, a certain extent people, but that again becomes like the, the thing that people would use to justify their faith in like the Christian God, you right. know, and it feels religious in a way that I think uh, I'm, I'm, I would describe myself as not just non-religious, but like anti-religious in the sense that I think um, uh, belief systems sort of predicated on specifically faith and obedience um, are inherently exploitative and destructive and yeah. designed to be so. And also you get religious um, not, and also fascism. beyond just what they take in their own operations, they prime and shape the minds of people to be, um, vulnerable to um, the most destructive aspects of, of humanity in the sense that like, if, you know, it's very easy to see how somebody who is programmed through uh, evangelical thinking would fall under, you know, the QAnon or, or fascist sure. other uh, movements that are happening. And I think, um, you know, I, I, it's my belief that, you know, we should be not tolerating people's beliefs i'm not i'm intolerant i uh i think we should, we are at we are clearly at war with a totalitarian uh christian religious movement that is uh rapidly trying to enslave disenfranchise uh, uh and destroy um so many people in this country and the idea that uh you know like we need to be taxing churches we need to be so all of that to say like um that whenever i find myself slipping into whatever my version of that thought is uh i i do sort of buck against it so i may be closer to a nihilist than you're you're comfortable with in the mm. sense that like um on the other hand uh while i don't believe in uh uh extrinsic meaning uh, meaning uh, like uh, a meaning that is outside of anything that we I, I believe meaning is something that we can create and make real collectively if we did like real in the as, as real as anything is uh, in the sense that like you know I, I don't believe in like so like God isn't real but God is real in the sense that we're talking about God right now and God as a concept, as an idea, as a belief system has life and death consequences on every aspect of our life. Uh, like the, the economy is also real, but where is it? it? It exists in like the space of collective conscious consciousness, which is so, and it has also life and death consequences, but it is not like steered by anyone. It is not controlled by, it is an entity that exists within the space of all of our minds. I think I, I like to think of consciousness as a form of space. So if that's like a dimension, which is our collective conscious, like God and the economy and, 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 you know, all these other ideas are existing in that space and mutating and reproducing and dying and living. And I, I do think that maybe there is some value to me, just to me, because there's no extrinsic value to maybe trying to kill and destroy um, ideas that are reproducing and mutating and creating more uh, what I think are like violent, destructive and evil uh, things, according to me, according to no yeah. extrinsic thing other than me. And I think there is, 
and I care about like nurturing and spreading and, and, and unifying under ideas that I think make people, um, uh, live these lives that were forced upon them in a way that um, makes them feel actualized and with as little suffering a- a- as possible. But at the same time, like, I don't, I don't know if I, as the person in this society was like, maybe we just need to be kind of like the United States, a lot of the sort of like superpowers, like, I don't know, man, we might need to be like, when we talk about real revolution, like I think it like real for humanity revolution, not for the United States, but like I I, I think we we gotta go with a lot of the you know like there's gotta be like like but the wiping out happens to us too because the entire system like I don't know how to live I don't know who to be or how to define myself outside of all of these things that are deeply deeply evil and that makes me feel like no matter what I am sort of born evil and part of the problem. And, uh, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you, man. Like I feel like life is inherently meaningless and uh, devoid of meaning other than the meaning that you ascribe to it personally. Mm -hmm. And I do kind of run on just like one little tiny note of faith understanding all the caveats of faith that you're talking about with, mm-hmm. you know, hyper-religious dogma and fascism and all that. Uh, but I run on the faith that what I believe is worth, you know, kind of living for and understand that, yeah, there's all these other like fucking crazy totalitarian far right, you know, theocratic people. And I guess I'm just going to have to like try and fight those ideas to the death. Like, you know, like there's nothing else that I can really Mm -hmm. do with it. You know, like uh, it's, um, it's, it's just sort of a conundrum. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Are you a Star Trek fan? Uh, Hey, okay. So I am very sort of in the sense that Star Trek was uh, very big at my house growing up. My parents watched it like every night. Uh, I still like, but I don't like watch it myself. So I took in a lot of it as a kid, uh, enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, if somebody puts it on, uh, I'm psyched about it. I, I pers- my favorite, I have a favorite cat. I love, uh, Picard. Hell yeah. Also Jane. Absolutely. Janeway is also fucking great. But like, um, you know, like I, I think, uh, I, I wouldn't describe myself as like a, a fan, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's something that's like, oh, this is fun. You know? Well, so for me, the reason I ask is because. Um, it's a it, TNG especially is a real comfort show for me. I'll probably watch it later tonight. Um, it's just like it's something that I put on pretty frequently, just just like as noise because aesthetically I really love it. I love the cast of that particular uh version of the show. Um, but also there is something really comforting about the narrative, the overall narrative of the universe of that show. Uh, yeah, a they, utopia. It's a utopia. It's, yeah, yeah. it's it's past, uh, you know, it's a moneyless society. It's, it's basically space communism, you know? Yeah. But, like, to get there, the mythology, the history of the show is that, like, yeah, they had to go through World, World War III and, like, a millennia of fucking strife in order right. to, like, get that out of their systems and understand as a species why 
you know, these aspects of our humanity are bad and we need to just like craft a society that purges that and goes for something higher. But, yeah. And like, I think that's, it's obviously that can be a very, fantasy. It's great. And it's comforting if we view um, human history as progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's right. And also, I think like utopian stories about the things like Atlantis or, or, you know, like uh, what's the city of gold fucking El Dorado or things yeah. like that. These like mythic utopias of the past um, can help us feel like uh, this is a thing that is possible, uh, but was perhaps lost uh, along the line. But I think uh, in, in my again, very limited and flawed perspective. That's what I, that's really what I cling to, but well, let me circle back to that. And in, in my perspective, um, utopia uh, has never been an aspect of human existence and human existence almost without exception has been um, violent and, and cruel and, and unfair and, and sort of, dirty and and meaningless and and you know like that that sort of seems to be the overall thing and like now in the society where into which we you and i were born like we can be varying levels of of removed from that but really even just living in a uh i live in a basement apartment in in bushwick um but globally i i'm uh i'm a little prince i'm a pampered little prince who is whose phone and and electricity and internet and things like that are run on blood you know like that's that's where we are you know and like um but again i i uh so to the limited perspective thing when you talked about faith that's kind of not how i find a way to continue to live, which you can probably tell can be a little difficult for me with my outlook. But the, the, um, the thing I think of the thing I cling to, uh, which is something I know I don't have to have faith in this is that my, um, understanding and, and, uh, grasp of reality is very limited and has been proven to me to be very, very wrong many, many times. So as correct as I can feel, about the utter crushing meaninglessness and violence of this as as certain as I can be that the only ethical thing to do is to kill myself. Um, I do also know that there is a very, very good chance I am wrong about that and that actually we are moving towards some form of progress and maybe and actually we can contribute in some meaningful way to the whatever this thing is that's happening uh that is human life, you know, and that that can develop into something that isn't um, just a compounding uh, like nightmare palimpsest of things being painted over and over and over (laughs) through sediments of pain, you know, like that's not like necessary. Like that's what I believe to be true, but I also know that um, it is extremely easy to be extremely wrong and, uh, on the off chance that I am wrong, uh, I try to behave as if there is 
uh, meaning and goodness in the world. There is a chance that maybe hundreds of years from now, some kid is going to be listening to this podcast in, uh, you know, utopian San Francisco, the base of uh, the United Earth Federation and Starfleet, and everything's great, and they've abolished money and class and starvation and all of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, probably not. You know, but like, what what are you going to do? Like, again, what the fuck are you going to um do does does some part of you uh because i think about this a lot and i think that this is a reason that nostalgia uh is such a big thing for our generation um some part of me i find really clings to like an innocent time before i became aware of the world as i said i'm in that i'm in the best period of my life like Mm -hmm. i'm the happiest i've ever been and i think childhood for me um was a time of feeling very um uh like distant like i had no power i had no influence and i was very confused and afraid uh by everything And and none of it made sense it was like uh now now i understand that it is bad before it was like why does everything feel bad Right. You know, like, why does everything feel bad? That doesn't make everything's like, what's wrong? You know, like, you know, um, God created all of this in his plan. This was all part of the plan. And Martin Luther King solved racism. And, you know, we beat the Nazis and like everything's good now. So why does everything feel bad? Right. And I think, you know, that that sort of dissonance can be like inspire a lot of self-loathing and strange like internal turmoil to the point where it's like it must be me then like i'm bad if everything's good but you know i think uh i'm bad and everything's bad is maybe slightly more comforting there's a uh that my my parents used to like to tell a story about me growing up this is when we still went to church where like and like i'm very sorry to your listeners and to you and everything for like just relentlessly being negative but like that's i can't that's, i've been like you're, a, a, you're on was, the right podcast brother don't worry I was, about it i was i you know like it's back to i was like five years old in the back of the car uh like riding home from church and they said i just started like crying and they're like okay so what's wrong and i was freaked out i was like you know i don't want to go to heaven forever I don't care what heaven's like forever. That's like, I was like, you know, I was like, even that I'm like scared of heaven because I can't, I can't, I couldn't, my imagination could not allow me to come up with a heaven that would not eventually be hell if I was there forever, you know, like that's the, and I'm five, you know, like that's the, and they're like, okay. Heaven's going to get boring. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to, you know, slowly uh, my soul will eat itself as I become insane. And what is to be insane if you're a soul, but, uh, you know, just shatter. And then I guess I live in a shattered eternity while somebody strums a harp next to me. That sounds like (laughs) hell. It's just it's just fucking hell again, man. Everything is hell. (laughs) It's all hell. Max Bruno. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was perfect, man. Um, I hope this doesn't sound weird that like sometimes I feel like I'm talking to like a kindred spirit. Like I feel like sometimes I talk to somebody and I like really get what they're saying. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is what I've been feeling. Like the way that they're talking is how I've been feeling my whole fucking life. And I'm glad that I'm not alone in that. So that's if if there's any purpose to whatever uh, I'm doing through like comedy or my art or anything like that. It's that's the only thing is to if there is anyone else in the world who feels like me and they can uh, 
hear something or see something and feel less destitute and less alone because of it. That's it. That's hey man, all that matters. We're out there. There's dozens of us and they, they <laughs> yeah. some of them listen to this show. So, you know, we'll, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll set you up with them. If there's anything that you would like to plug social media shows coming up, anything like that, uh, now's the time. <laughs> Yeah, if uh, for some reason any of you would like more of me, uh, I'm at Max H. Bruno on basically all the platforms. And uh, if you're a Brooklyn or a New York-based person, every Friday night, uh, I co-produce a show at the Cobra Club. Uh, you can follow that and see who the lineups are at LFOS Comedy on Instagram. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, it's great talking to you, Brad. Thanks again to Max Bruno, cool-ass dude. Um, I think he's a a cool guy because he reminds me a lot of myself. That's why I like him, because we're similar. I don't know. And And if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a big fan of myself. That's why I started this show and called it Self Worst, because I love me. alright that's all for the show Uh, once again patreon.com slash selfworst help me out bonus content you'll find out if you pay the money what's in there mystery box um Music is by Shea Bartell. Thank you, Shay. Rate and review us on iTunes. Take a screenshot of this here podcast you're listening to on your phone right now. Right now. I'll give you a second to reach in your pocket and open phone. Okay, so right now is a screenshot. And uh, put that on your Instagram stories and be like, I'm listening to this show. Do a little ad for me on your on your stories. Tell your people. You know, the, the people who watch your stories, uh, acquaintances, friends, people you used to fuck and still watch your stories. Oh, that's the best. When people you used to fuck still watch your stories. What a sense of satisfaction. Anyway, let them know about the show and tag me and I'll uh, repost, uh, you know, to my friends and uh, we'll, we'll just all um, be friends have an orgy or something <sighs> that's it I'm Brad Pearson until next time uh, go outside and you know put your phone down and try and chill live your life and uh, just fucking just just give up just get just you know what? Like, give up in a good way. You know what I mean? Like, give up. Let go is what I mean. Give up sounds bad. Let go. Let go. Goodbye. <laughs>